Kia ora and welcome to this episode of the Stag Roar. This episode is brought to you by our mates at Modern Pirate, 100% carbon neutral. Modern Pirate makes an amazing range of men's grooming products. And if you're one of our Aussie listeners, then you've probably seen them in your quality barber shop. I've used the pomade in their matte clay paste to style what hair I have left. And their charcoal soap is the business. You can get 10% off every order by simply entering the code STAGROAR at checkout. That's lowercase S-T-A-G-R-O-A-R. Look good and support yet another quality Kiwi export that the Aussies are sure to claim as their own. Check them out at modernpirate.com.au. That code again is STAGROAR. Kia ora and welcome to episode 166 of the STAGROAR. This episode I'm joined by my bloody good mate, Matt Hickford, um, or Hickford as he's known. We just chewed the fat, go through a bit of uh, life as a young professional really. Kind of one of the topics that I sort of started with when it came to writing my blog, staggerine.com. And you're just going through that uh, modern day balance and battle of expectation versus reality, ambition versus patience, and um, sitting back and looking back on on the things that you've achieved and the massive change and growth and differences that have happened over, well it was probably, it's now nearly nine years since we lived together at Auckland University um, there in Arch Hill, Auckland the flat was called El Rancho same flat as Patrick Davenport bloody good year that was and so without further ado let's get into it enjoy it make sure to reach out with your thoughts check in with Matt as well he's a good lad enjoy bloody good g'day mates (laughs) cheers cheers coming at you from the promised land New Plymouth man Second member of our rancho on the podcast, finally, Matthew Hickford. Um, next, we've got the beautiful mind, Jacob Benefield, at some point, if we can ever Whew. get over the hill to, to Palmy. <laughs> Whenever that housewarming happens to be. <laughs> uh, Matty, what have we been doing this weekend, mate? All sorts. We were just burning stuff before. It was pretty fun, having uh, a few... Bit of toasted marshmallows and just throwing uh, general timber in the backyard on the fire. You, you um, burning up a redundant deck. That's right. Yeah, I made a beautiful golden deck <laughs> last summer and um, replaced a pretty shabby-looking old one. And um, yeah, the whole thing's just sitting beside the house uh, slowly just whittling it down in the fire which is good enjoy a good fire it's, a, it's always nice sitting by a fire yeah now for those not knowing the joke the promised land is uh, Taranaki <laughs> um, what made you move to the promised land mate oh, I came with you when finally your uni I did my optometry placement here we uh, stayed with your grandparents mm. muddy yeah Nana and muddy <laughs> great, great New Zealanders. Great, especially with a name like Muddy. Explain, <laughs> explain we give a name like Muddy. Uh, so Muddy used to coach his, um, well, one of his, son, I think it's just one of his sons, Dean's rugby 
team. And um, I think he let a, a bit of a fart loose one day and uh, his nickname became Mudguts. <laughs> and, um, and so from then uh, he got called nickname Muddy. And um, I actually grew up without a, a granddad. I, I heard all my friends talking about a granddad at school and um, I was like, what? I don't have a granddad. I have a muddy. <laughs> and um, and um, for probably a while, I think it was quite confusing for, for me growing up. And I'd like try granddad on him every now and then. <laughs> and he wasn't into it at all. So he's, he's just muddy and uh, yeah, we love him. And so it's nothing to do with him working in drilling. <laughs> Not at all. No, no. He, he he never worked in drilling. Uh, he was um, he worked on the well sites, but yeah, yeah. Oh. But yeah, going going back to how I came down here. Um, so I studied mechanical engineering at uh, at uni, and um, because Muddy had the the link at um, Todd Energy as a well site operator, um, I got my foot in the door with a bit of a summer internship and um that was when yeah. when you were down here as well and um during the internship got to spend a, a day out on one of the drilling rigs and um absolutely loved it and was just like this is me mm. um from that point so tried sussing out a um because that was the summer was it summer no, no winter we're here in winter yeah yeah that must have been when I was in the drilling team then. I don't know. I think I, I think I'd worked here the previous summer, and um, and this winter operation was um, when I'd organised to come back to being specifically the drilling team, mm. which um, which yeah, it was it was, it was wicked, and um, so that's what I do now. So spent. Um, I think it was two and a half or three years in the Todd graduate program, going through all the different disciplines of um, what an oil and gas company is, which is, so you've got your, your subsurface, your drilling, your completions, um, then your production, <laughs> I engineering. Just, I just had the... Um, and then facilities. I just had the flashbacks last night, I thought it should... Big Brew Press, you got your, your subsurface. That was a classically <laughs> Hart moment. Was it in the flat that um, Chanel picked us up um, to go to some town operation or, or something? Or, no, I think, um, I think she picked me up from town and I was in a state. Chanel being your sister. Yeah, Chanel being my sister. <laughs> and... Um, Got in the car and I was pretty, pretty munted. And um, I think I was talking about some bloody beans that were in the supermarket. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. There's like all kinds of different beans. So I was like, oh my God, Chanel, you'll never believe like there's so many different beans you can get. There's like Mexican beans. <laughs> and and that was, that was all I had. <laughs> there's obviously much many many more options than that but um but yeah that was the only thing that i could think of in my state nice so grad, graduate program i did a graduate program with big service 
and got bored pretty fast. There's mm. not so many subtypes of optometry. It's pretty much optometry. Mm. Actually, no, there are. But the big service is pretty much optometry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, was that quite good having, you know, a diverse thing keep you interested for th- three years? That's a long time. Yeah, it, it was pretty good. Like, um, overall, to like understand the business as a whole, um, it, it's definitely beneficial. The downside of it is that you you don't get to specialize like after the first year or whatever, mm. and so you, you kind of delay your career a bit as as what you're finally going to be. Like it, it's almost like a um, first year of an of an engineering degree where you do all the mm-hmm. different disciplines, and then the next year you pick one that you're going to do. So like I did, well I started off actually doing civil. And I did that first semester and I was just like, I had high hopes of like designing the Burj Dubai and, and these beautiful bridges and stuff. Building bridges and getting over it. And, um, and that became like pretty apparent that that's actually not what most civil engineers do. It was more like your, um, roading projects and, uh, waterways type, type gigs. So I was just like, mm, nah, I... I really loved the um, fluid mechanics and fluid dynamics papers that that we did do in civil, and um, <laughs> they're my brother's favourites. He did did them twice, and uh, <laughs> ironically, that he uh, worked for Waddies and had to pump sores uphill, so came in handy. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. Then I um, I decided to switch to mechanical, um, and uh, it was definitely the right decision. And, um, so my f- four year engineering degree was a five year engineering degree because of, uh, that semester and also because of the semester abroad in Santa Barbara, mm. California. And we just l- listened to New Zealand's greatest export, Keith Urban. <laughs> oh, and now Black shouted. Oh yeah. God's country. God's country. Not Hello, bad. Um, yeah. What, what was, you know. Santa Barbara's not exactly country. How do you come away from going to Santa Barbara and coming back with some cowboy boots and a belt buckle, mate? Yeah. So <laughs> the first week that I was there, um, I arrived like a week before classes began. Yeah. And um, I was I was staying in one of the halls of residence, and um, it's it's so much different to. Auckland Uni. It's probably it's probably closer to Otago than Auckland, but probably much different to that as well. Um, there's like a whole student village like block. I don't know how big it would be. Of like residents though. Oh no no of of students just flatting in houses down oh, yeah, the, yeah. down this road. Yeah. Honestly, like um, these cliff front ocean view. <laughs> houses like multi-million dollar houses that students are living in and they're like they are like flats but um it it boggles the mind man honestly um but such a beautiful place so anyway this the student village was like right next to like it butted right up to the university campus and so um del playa drive was the like the party street Mm -hmm. Renowned, so Santa Santa Barbara, the Castle Street of Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara is like the one of the top 
party skills in uh, in the US, which... Did you know that already? No, I, I didn't know that. And honestly... How did you choose to go there? Santa Barbara was, I think, my third choice. <laughs> I, th- I think uh, Berkeley was my first. Yeah. Um, Shit, you would have got an education there, man. Yeah. You could be a different Matt Hickford if you'd gone to Berkeley, man. Who knows what would have happened. <laughs> um, and then I think... Uh, I can't remember exactly what the ranking of mine was, but I'm pretty sure Santa Barbara was like pretty down there because I had no idea about it. Yeah. But anyway, it was, was the greatest thing that could have ever happened anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... What'd your mum say? You pulled the wool over our eyes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was technically studying engineering, but um, <laughs> one of the papers was extraordinarily hard, and um, I don't know that it was actually going to count anyway. And so mid-exam, I was just like, hmm, <laughs> then. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, this, this first week that I was there... Five grand down the toilet. Yeah, oh, well, money well spent. <laughs> Um, experience this this first week that I was down there I, I walked down Delphi Drive and um, well actually I wasn't even in the Halls of Residence at this stage I was staying at a, a mate's place she'd, she'd yet to arrive there but, did you know um, that? because I'd flatted in um, Auckland at 14 Flats down Whitaker Place right yeah is that part of it IH or no? Uh, yeah it was kind of joint back then I think it's a completely different thing now mm-hmm <laughs> But, um, yeah, I walk down the street and there's these, um, dudes all wearing like truck caps sitting on the edges of this, um, old Chevy truck, I think. <laughs> and, um, having a Dixie cup on the tailgate. <laughs> and I'd, I'd probably like, I think just that day bought myself a, a Volcom hat. Actually, I still have it. <laughs> um, this was t- twenty. 2011 when I went there um and yeah, I think I think my uh Vulcan pink and lime green board shorts are from about then too yeah they're still going strong too good, good brand stuff. good brand Vulcan good stuff <laughs> so anyway this this Vulcan hat was um red white and blue and uh these guys on on the back of this truck were like cool hat bro and to be honest like I'm pretty sure they were taking the piss, <laughs> but I was like, well, I think it's pretty cool. So I went over and had a chat with them and, and, uh, they offered me a beer. And so, yeah, I hung out with them for a bit and, um, and that was a, the birth of a beautiful friendship. Do you remember what beer it was? Nah, not a clue at all. It was probably a rolling rock. I imagine. Is that, what's that? Green can. It's oh. standard. Yeah. I think this was before craft beer had like taken off. Yeah. And it was just like your stand, stock standard, um, probably like double brown equivalent, <laughs> like just, just, uh, beer flavored water. Yeah. Um, but was it all, all half percentage as well? Like half, no, half? no, 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 no. So light beer over there is not half the percent. I'm pretty sure it's just low calorie. Low cal. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, that was the birth of a beautiful friendship. So these guys were um, Army ROTC. So it's like the, um, it's like the equivalent in New Zealand would be if you were, if you'd signed up with the army and uh, and they were putting you through university mm. for f- like for free for service. 
Mm. And um, was there many engineers that came from the army or um, Air Force? Uh, I don't know. Never, never met them. These guys weren't engineers. I think one of them might have been. Yes. But, used um, to see the other one around, eh? Yeah. Full uniform? Do they, were they full uniform over there or no? Uh, not, not on campus. They pro- they had like morning PT sessions that they probably were. And they might have had certain days that they were, but they generally weren't walking around with um, with their camos on. My US geography is pretty ratchet. How far is it from San Diego? Is it between LA and San Diego? Is that right, or is it nah, north? No, nah, it's north of LA. Mm. It's about an hour and a half north. Right. See, red shit. <laughs> yeah. So um, these guys were awesome, and um, my Italian mate Patrick, uh, not to be confused with Patrick Davenport, who uh, was on here previously, one of our great uh, El Rancho members. It's birthday time. It is his birthday. Yep, he's turning... 16. 13 or 16 or... <laughs> Jacob, Jacob said something about a 21st today, but I don't know if I'd buy that. Yeah. <laughs> that... <laughs> um, where, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, Patrick, Patrick the Italian dude. So yeah, we're, he was my best mate in Santa Barbara and he was a mechanical engineer as well. And... Um, We'd go there like every, maybe every day, but at least every like Friday and Saturday night and just hang out with them, listen to country music. That was probably like, I'd listened to a little bit of country before then, hadn't really like gotten fully balls deep in it. Um, but definitely over there, yeah, got, got well into it. Chicken fried was like a, an awakening. <laughs> and that's, um, that's good son. Did you have Luke Combs while you were there? Nah, I don't, don't believe so. Shit, he's just been hunting with Meat Eater. And he did a campfire acoustic session. Just crushed it. Lovely. What a dude. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. So, um... I guess these guys kind of took us under, under their wing. And, um... One day, like, they had this arsenal of weapons... <coughs> um... At, at the ready... Um, and they invited us to go and just shoot at the range up in the Santa Barbara mountains. So we were just shooting TVs and clay birds and, and stuff with AR-15s and, um, and shotguns and handguns and old World War II guns and stuff, and rifles and stuff. It was, um, bloody fun. And then, um, one of the guys took me down to um, Boot Barn in uh, what's the bloody name of that place it starts with A not far from Santa Barbara Um, and got myself some cowboy boots and um, yeah that was was incredible they're still those are the same ones yeah yeah, I still got them yeah good boots they last (laughs) I want to get some with a little bit lower heel though because they are not the most comfortable comfortable to <laughs> to walk around long distance in. Need some uh, walker boots. And so, how'd you end up at <clears throat> Cowboys Stadium? Oh, yeah. So, um, 
you, this is, you're, you're a man like there's the rower there and the bike there yeah but when it comes to team sports um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can lift weights and like you, you've done some what what, what what category did you do of, of um, athletic physique. athletic physique bodybuilding yeah but yeah team sports not your forte nah well apart from rowing rowing's pretty oh team. yeah 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 no you're right I, I don't know if you get really much more team dependent uh, yeah, in like an eight or a it's pretty rhythmic, isn't it? Four, yeah. It's like a finely tuned machine, but um, but yeah, no, I'm, ha- haven't really been. Uh, I don't follow any sports teams. That's that's for sure. But <laughs> uh, if people are getting together and, and watching it, I'll I'll watch along. And well, we watched we watched the uh, World Cup at your your place this time last year. It's true. Actually, shit, this is the anniversary of that horrific day where we got pumped by England. <laughs> that was a horrendous day. And didn't we have two Englishmen? Yeah. We did. <laughs> Gosh. And then we we followed it up with a, a Nets guy. Um, <laughs> Hell of a turnaround. At Tomorrowland. <laughs> Tomorrowland. <laughs> Tomorrowland. Nets guy on, on Dad's fucking mental sound system. Yeah, we can't have the tunes up too loud. Um, Billy's asleep, so. (laughs) Yeah, far out, that was glorious. Cowboy Stadium. But but I tell you what I do like, I do like VIP treatment at um, at, uh, sports events, and I'll happily watch um, team sports. You're like like a regular at uh, Euro Stadium before it got condemned. Yeah, so... um, So yeah, one of the one of the great things about being a drilling engineer is that you um, spend a lot of money with um, with companies, and in return they have they sponsor like the um, Taranaki Bulls or whatever, or or even the All Blacks when they were here. Yeah. Um, and so you get invited to um, come up to their corporate box. So yeah, I've I've um, been to a few. Taranaki games uh, up at Yarrow and, and one... Um, I know you like looking at yourself, so we'll, we'll... <laughs> we'll keep this on. And I, th- I think it was um, All Blacks versus Argentina that was here, yeah, which was pretty cool. But yeah, um, probably cooler than that, as you say, is the Cowboys Stadium. So um, how that came about, man, that was a glorious, glorious time of my time in the US. Um, Browning, who was one of my flatmates in 14 Flats. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this other girl wasn't a flatmate, but still lived in one of the flats in 14 flats. Right. But Browning was one of my flatmates in our flat. Um, was it, were you there one year or two years at IH? Uh, two <laughs> years, two years at IH, one year at 14 flats. Um, so anyway, Browning was from Dallas and, um, it came time for thanksgiving in 2011 and uh it came to came to thanksgiving time and there was the option of either going to the grand canyon with a few mates or um getting the deluxe treatment in (laughs) dallas with uh browning and her family and um so i chose to go with brown because obviously like we'd spent the year as flatmates so it was it was pretty cool to go and see where she's from and, and all that. So what was your what was your timing in Auckland? Like two years in IH, the second one being um, 
civil, is that right? Yeah. And so what timing did you go to the States? The second half of your second year? The second half. No, it was my third year that I went uh-huh. uh, to the States. Yeah. I had two full years at... Um, sorry, yeah, I only had half a year in um, 14 flats. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first half. And... Um, so you'd done a year and a half of mechanical. Is that right? Uh, one year. One year. Yeah. One general, one semester civil, and then the end of that year mechanical and oh, then right. the first part of that next year mechanical gotcha yep um so anyway browning is um from a reasonably well-off family is there a first name or a last name it's her first name yeah browning Warren. um yeah so and it's um it's like a rite of passage that they do as girls in southern states yeah called um like a debutante yeah and so during this uh thanksgiving break that was like the peak debutante time so um i got invited to her debutante party which was amazing they had it at um the country club that they belong to and um it was like um is it as you imagine oh yeah just yeah who, who gave you a cold shirt? <laughs> yeah. We went... <laughs> Browning took me shopping. <laughs> and, and I went and got a... Because it was a safari-themed party. And um, so, yeah, I just had, like, white on white. And uh, I think maybe... Might have had, like, boat shoes or something. Was that the start of the sailor, sailor theme? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> that was a little... Perhaps. A little seat. <laughs> yep. Um... So, and she'd organized beautiful dates for me as well for, for her one. And we also went to one of her, um, her fellow debutantes, uh, balls as well. What, what's debutante demarcate? Anything? Or just a time in your life? I think it's just like a coming of age. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Are they Christian or what? Oh yeah, they'll, they'll be Christian, I'm sure. Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with Christian though. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's just a sudden. You were just happy to be there. It's like a, <laughs> you know the the um the song Southern Bell. Yeah. It's just sudden thing. A sudden thing. Um, but yeah, I was definitely happy to be there. Um, and so they had these exotic animals and um, amazing bands and great drinks and it was just spectacular. A few tigers few tight nah, no tigers no nah. but uh, a big um uh, it was either a cobra or a boa constrictor it was a massive snake yeah and um had that run and, and monkeys and stuff yeah it was oh, wow. crazy <laughs> absolutely great like the things from movie yeah yeah um they're real that's what Matthew McConaughey was saying today unbelievable it's not a thing yeah it happens yeah um, maybe that's because he grew up in Texas <laughs> yeah maybe but anyway then it came to actual Thanksgiving and um, over there they have the Thanksgiving football yeah and Jesus. on that day um, 
so they had an amazing Thanksgiving spread. It was, it was great. So and it was co real cool meeting Browning and her family, um, all, all the extended family and stuff. They were real nice people. Um, yeah, they, they call it Southern Hospitality for a reason. Yeah, very, very kind people. Um, so anyway, we, we have Thanksgiving lunch and then it's off to the Cowboy Stadium to where they have a box. The largest... Well, was it, is it the largest? Was it the largest? I think it's AT&T now. Probably. I couldn't... couldn't. But anyway, they had this... We need um, a Googler. <laughs> they, they had this ginormous screen. Like the, I think it was the biggest screen in the world. Still got some facts on Cowboy Stadium. And... Um, like I was taking photos of the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders um, <laughs> off the screen, not the not the pitch, because you could oh. see them way better. So it's called A and T T N A T and T Stadium now. So yeah, I don't know if it's still the largest or whatever, but I think it was. It's got a retractable roof. Mm. It's in Arlington, Texas, home of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, completed on 27th of May 2009 so it was still new mm. um, home of the Cotton Bowl Classic the Big 12 Championship game it's owned by Jerry Jones uh, oh that's what it holds anywho um, capacity is 80,000 expandable to 105 Hmm. So they had 105,121 people for the Dallas Cowboys versus the New York Giants. And they've also had 108,713 for an NBA All-Stars game. Hmm. Oh, so not even a legit um, boxing game. And they've had 51,420. And professional wrestling, um, uh, WrestleMania, was 101,763 people. Oh yeah. Yep, I was pretty blown away. Cost one point three billion dollars to make. Jump change. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's a structural engineer. That's even wrong. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that would have been the dream. But yeah, nah. I just drill oil and gas wells and said it's uh, it's still fun. Is that what the family was involved with, or? Yep, yep, they were involved in a bit of oil. I, I'm not sure if they owned land or, or whether um, whether it was a consultancy, an engineering consultancy or something. But um, yeah, they were involved in a bit of oil, as as you'd probably expect in um, the great state of Texas. Yeah, when you say land, like land that's being drilled, or is that what you mean? No. Well, like over there, over there, um, I'm pretty sure the landowner owns everything underneath it as well. Yep. Where it's a little bit different. Uh, to New Zealand where the crown owns all the minerals below um, in the states the landowner owns everything below so then I don't know if you know the answer to this question how do quarries get on over there no in New Zealand do you know that answer or no oh, I would imagine that the crown owns the the rock and um, it's the same as like um, oil and gas 
the company pays a royalty to the government oh. for for what they make on it. See when the government says no. <laughs> there is that. There is that. There is that. <laughs> Touchy subject. Touchy subject. Indeed. Yeah. So did you watch any football? Well, well just, just obviously I watched the game. Yeah. I didn't really understand it. I, apart from like the the Madden that I'd seen <laughs> Brewster stay up all night playing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Morgan's still playing Madden. I reckon he... Between, between looking at the shoe market, I think... No, actually, in Morgan's defence, he played Premier Hockey this year in Hawke's Bay. Did he? What champ? I didn't even know the kid played. played he played hockey. Premier Hockey? Yeah. Amazing. He said the semi final didn't go so well. What <laughs> an athlete. Yeah, athlete. That's what he's telling me. Left wing. Incredible. Yeah, tough day. Tough day of the office. That's incredible. But yeah, no. Um, but yeah, yeah, I watched the game. Um, yeah, I just didn't really know what was going on. Mm. But mm. I was having a blast anyway. I was just happy to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what did you take out of six months in the States apart from? I love country music and uh, all, all the uh, trimmings that go with it. <laughs> I, I just love, I love America, how, I think it's their patriotism. Yeah. Like even, <laughs> we watched your pants just before. <laughs> even though, even though I don't know that I would say that they do live in the best country in the world. Like I, I think probably everyone from their own country probably thinks that their country is the best country in the world. Um, so I, I don't know if that's just bias. Like mm. I mean, I think New Zealand's pretty legit. But just the the fanfare over there, I think, is um, it's just amplified. Mm. It's just yee yee. <laughs> that's. And that's what that's what we've brought into our ranchos, and I just a bit of yee yee. Like we got after it that year, eh? We did indeed, and that was kind of like the that was sort of the vibe that Pat and I's like vision for the Auckland University Boat Club AUBC kind of was, because I'd I'd rowed, I'd done a little bit of rowing in Santa Barbara. Um, did you row hammer and boards? Yes, yeah. indeed. Um, yeah, so I'd rode in, in Santa Barbara and like knew already that like university sports is just enormous over there. It's like almost as big or bigger than, um, professional sport yeah. over there. Well, Longhorns have, I'm pretty sure the stadium is bigger than that Dallas. Yeah, probably wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. Um, and because their alumni is so strong as well they just get behind it um, I'm pretty sure they sell out like every, all the mm. games that they play but yeah we yeah, that, and that's controversial as well <laughs> the fact that the fact that you can buy college football merch that has the official like college sticker on it yet the players get nothing but anyhow we digress <laughs> it's a stepping stone for them I guess yeah but yeah Pat and I just kind of wanted to get a bit of that feeling into AUBC because Otago has, I think, probably has somewhat of that vibe for their rowing. Well, like, I was 
I happened to um, yarn to my brother about it when he was up last Wednesday, but mm. um, we ended up having a deep and meaningful chat. Anyway, so uh, we uh, we'll have to do that next time and, mm. and talk about going to China. Um, and China. Also, uh, yeah. <laughs> After watching Pence just before. Uh, <laughs> um, and also St. Petersburg. He's got, a, he's got a hell of a yarn from that. But mm. um, I think what you guys did, like, was it always Boat Club beforehand? Because I think that was like a... And, and the blazers and, and yeah going in with that like, yeah, was, was yeah. that was that something that was always there or, or was that something you guys brought in uh so ever since we were there it was the auckland university boat club yeah um and for many years before that uh it did used to be the auckland university rowing club but i was actually thinking about this the other day and um i can't remember specifically why why it had to shut down I, I have a feeling it might have been something to do with their accounts or something. And well, they had before to, you guys started? Oh yeah, way, way, way oh, right. before we started. Um, yeah, I don't know why it couldn't be called Auckland University Rowing Club anymore. But anyway, Boat Club still sounds like kind of swanky as well. It's like... Um, I think it's cooler. It's, it's like a little bit like as elite. It's an observatory um, <laughs> rowing orphan. I think the boat club sounds good. Yeah. Maybe that's my um, slight rebellion for rowing. <laughs> the only the only trouble with it being called the boat club is that people, when you just say that it's rowing, they're like, well, where's the other boat? Where's, where's the sailing? We'll get to, we'll get to sailing. Where's, it, where's the sailing? Where's the kayaking? Where's, where's all the other water sports? Where's the waka that's, that that's was, right. That was the big issues you guys had. The amount of cash that was spent on waka armor at the uni. Yeah, it's true. I, I can't even... I probably just got over that one. Yeah, build bridge. Yeah, <laughs> build bridge. But yeah. No, we, we ran a pretty good program. I think we were going in a good direction. It was, it was fun. Loved loved being part of that club. It's still about though, isn't it? It's still... Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're actually... Um, still got the vibe. Well, I think it's diminished a little bit since the... Um, prime time of uh matt pat and cam um so they've actually reached out to us recently and um we might provide them with like a little bit of direction maybe um and a bit of chicken fried on the playlist yeah a little bit of chicken fried <laughs> and cold beer fried or not why not <laughs> um the blazers was that you guys you wore that to Jacob's wedding. Be- the Beautiful Minds wedding. Got to do that. <laughs> um, was that us? I can't remember if Chris Rolls did that or not. But we definitely, like... We made it a thing, for sure. At least when we were there. Um, there might have been, like, a, a change of the guard type thing. Like, yeah. n- no no crossover or whatever. So, it was all, like, pretty fresh faces. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think a good chunk of people would have gone out and gone to the op shop and, and got themselves a, a nice uh, navy blue blazer and, and got them uh, the emblem embroidered. You, you guys went with the swanky option. I know um, the guys at the rugby team at Massey which is where Jacob plays rugby, social rugby. Mm. They get like, the, they go for the tweed or just pretty much as grot as you, as you can get. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, like you say, like I was saying, you can wear yours to a wedding. <laughs> we were the boat club stag. The boat club. You've got to have some sort of standards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys are ready to rock up at Oxford, eh? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's kind of that's what you think, I I reckon, when you think of a boat club, eh? <laughs> um, Henley Regatta, or yeah, Oxford. Yeah. Um, Pat went a step further than that and got himself he bought himself a navy blue blazer and I don't know if he got a little bit um bit tailored or whatever Oof. he probably would have had to have got it tailored to be fair to, to fit his huge back in <laughs> but um yeah does it still fit him Nick <laughs> I doubt it they go, they, go, they go works in the gym like, <laughs> there's no way that thing fits him anymore surely not um but yeah you're dedicated to the cause I'd say yeah I'm just thinking I need to add this song to my um playlist Never, <laughs> Beer Never Broke My Heart by Luke Combs <laughs> just crack up right, that, one's, that one's not on my playlist <laughs> <laughs> no nice um shit what was I gonna gonna say rowing uh bad no it's gone Henley Boats. Boats. Boats and hose. Boats and hose. No. Um, do you think that the, like, obviously Waikato was facing off against um, Oxford or um, or Cambridge or mm. um, then they got, what's that, US? Yeah, they got Washington, I think. Yeah. And, and also, what's the Boston yeah. University? Oh, yeah, yeah. Harvard. Um, yeah, got, yeah, definitely, got, yeah. They got those down. Like, the Hibberley, is that what it's called? Hibberley was like the university... Shield? Shield. Yeah. Do you think, like... I've, I've had two two brothers win at two different universities and, and you guys, Auckland, did end up winning it, but not when you guys were there? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, we won it. Do you, do you think that... Um, I wasn't in that eight, but... But it, but it came to Auckland. But, it, but it, we won it under... Under my uh, presidency ship. <laughs> um, do you th- do you think that we could we could get to the level of like um, you know Harvard and Yale or Oxford and Cambridge? And <laughs> I think there's definitely the talent around. That well, many people could... go over there, and, and well, that's, yeah. that's what Pat's stoked on. He's got a couple of people that was yeah. going to go to the states, and now they can't because of yeah, yeah. the sin virus. Yeah. <laughs> The China virus, <laughs> the Chinese plague. Oh gosh, Wuhan, the Kung flu. Oh my god. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, like, because the states don't um don't row through high school, so they get to university. Well, m- most high schools don't do it anyway. So most universities, like, that's where you start out wrong, which um. Puts them on the back foot a little bit. I, I don't know what sort of program, like the likes of Harvard and and the the big names, um, what their program looks like. But um, there's definitely that talent in New Zealand, especially like straight out of high school. You got people going into the juniors mm. who are like top level. Like yeah, they they're going places and and rowing at hand boys like. You'll see the New Zealand eight now, and and there's boys that um, were 
came came through later than me in the New Zealand eight, mm. um, which is amazing to see. Like, um, like you probably have a bunch of mates that play professional rugby and stuff, and you'd be like, oh yeah, fuck, went to school well, with them. Or I was like watching the Room Fairly Shield the other night in Hawke's Bay and in the uh, Clifton Pub with Morgan, yeah. and uh, you know everyone's there supporting. Hawks Bay and I'm there watching all these blokes that I played like even one that I played with in Cambridge mm. but heaps of blokes that I played with at Varsity in Auckland playing for Northland and I'm like oh, come on guys <laughs> <laughs> they, they, um, unfortunately Hawks Bay played a very good game so that was fine but um, having played with a bunch of Hawks Bay blokes in Dunedin I was um, I was sitting on the fence mm. um, it was it was just it was just great to watch really good, good game bit of a predicament there Oh no! It was just uh, got got to enjoy a quality match of rugby, but yeah, like like you say, seeing people do well in in sports and, and get after it, like shit, it's um, hell of a commitment. Like, um, both you and I at uni, you know, we're, we're the sort of people that try and do our best and <laughs> try to be elite. And unfortunately, spread ourselves too thin, um, and, and then also at the same time enjoy enjoy some good times, enjoy some recreation, some recreation. Yeah, but um, it really does take obsession to to get to that level. And um, anyone that wants to cut someone down for being awesome, like they can get fucked <laughs> in my opinion. And like, and you know, maybe, maybe that means that you don't become a sports person, but you, you get to rub shoulders with great people and like mm. seeing them do well is awesome so yeah like must from rowing yeah mm. S- same vibe eh yeah definitely yeah seeing seeing people especially on like the world stage is um is bloody cool yeah yeah um as, as a school like obviously handboys crushes it in a lot of elements mm. and then you've got a bit of a cross town rival when it comes to cricket and hockey with St Paul's but um yeah well, you know, high school was a long time ago, but what was, what was the vibe of, of Ham Boys? Well, at, at the time that I was in Ham Boys, um, yeah, we were pretty dominant. Uh, I'm pretty sure even against St. Paul's. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure, like, in my last year, we would have won, like, Marty, the first 15. I don't know. I don't know about soccer or, or cricket, but... Yeah. Um, and hockey yeah. as well and yeah. hockey yeah um, I don't know about those ones but yeah we definitely dominated in rugby and rowing so like Christchurch boys as well sort of seen in the same light of public school just crushing it mm. what happens third form assemblies form class <laughs> like it's, there's got to be some indoctrination of just fellas get into it <laughs> yeah well there's nothing like um hazing or anything like that <laughs> or like there's you're not really like bullied by by anyone or, or anything like that but um the leadership i think was just very very strong had a very good vision um of achieving excellence yeah um like the I was actually we were talking about um, our school 
emblem and like the the thing under the crest mm -hmm. we call that a there's a word for it yeah my latin's not good either <laughs> yeah but anyway um the one at hand boys was sapiens fortune um finger sibi which means a wise man carves his own fortune and pretty much from the get-go like that's that's kind of driven home to you like well i i guess like so one of the, one of the things that you learn pretty quickly in, in third form is like they have real strict rules like your shoes got to be shiny your socks got to be pulled up your shirt's got to be tucked in mm -hmm. your hair's got to be tidy and without product um and like I can't do the no no product. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm gl yeah. glad that um, our school, James Argus College, um, there was a lot of Dax Wax went through that. Dax Wax, yeah, <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. The green and gold, green and gold. Not um, good. At, not good as a swimmer because it gets all over your goggles. <laughs> oh yeah, well the green the green and gold is just like beeswax, so it just stays in there. It's no worries. But. Um, so yeah, there was the odd time that I would have got pulled up for for having a bit of uh, product in the hair, and it was a bit longer than it is now. Um, yeah. This was back before three six nine. Yeah. Explain uh, three six nine. So three six nine. But it, Billy Billy was um, giving me a virtual haircut while we were out stuck in the fire. Um, that's literally fire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I was saying to her that you, you cut your own hair. Explain the three six nine. Yeah. Um, theory was it did it used to be shorter nah no it's always been always but well, it's actually a little bit longer now it's like um it's like three six nine twelve type fade <laughs> but um won't get into that so you give more much. volume on top yeah a bit more volume on top a bit, <laughs> bit more length on top it looks looks a bit better but um three six nine yeah it's just a fade uh, and and of course it's um, comes from that song from uh, Little John. Where's the um, phone again? <laughs> three six nine. Damn that phone! Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah? Is that one? Yeah yeah that one. It is that one. Yeah. The sweat drip down my balls. Oh yeah that one. Yeah yeah. Three six nine. And so um, I think Jacob kind of. Uh, played on that one a bit um so yeah 369 <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah um to the window <laughs> so that that sort of thing's drilled into you at hand boys from, yeah. from the not 369 not 369 but um high standards and uh just excellence so they make a big deal about when the teams are successful like when the rugby has a, a real good year or like rowing would have a rowing assembly um just to recognize yeah recognize your excellence and strive for it uh, that's good. good yeah the um <clears throat> Ham hamilton gets a bad rap mm. yeah he had your whole whole high school life there matthew Whole high school life, yeah. We, um, as a family, uh, I was actually born in London. Oof. Um, from London. Yeah. <laughs> but didn't I didn't really live there. Like, my parents both Kiwi, and um, they were just working over there as, like, a 
a bit of an OE type, uh, well, it wasn't really an OE, it was like just enjoying working overseas. They yeah. worked in like Norway and the UK and Hong Kong and some interesting places. Um, and pretty much after I was born, uh, we came back to New Zealand, be close to family and uh, yeah. Um, so we moved back to New Plymouth because that's where, because um, dad, dad worked for Shell back in the day, who is an oil and gas company, as um, hopefully everyone's aware. That's a pretty um, obvious one. Um, and we lived here for probably until I was about four. And then um, after that, dad uh, went and tried setting up a business with his friends in Tauranga um, called ImageLink. And so we moved over to Tauranga for that. And I was probably there for, well, I don't know, maybe, I think I came across to Hamilton in the last year of primary school. So I had all of intermediate and all of high school in Hamilton. Mm. Um, so yeah, did all that in Hamilton and then went up to Auckland Uni for my engineering. And what made you decide um, Auckland over Canterbury or Mass even? Well, let's face it, Mass is not a real engineering university. So <laughs> that crosses that one off the list pretty quickly. Um, Waikato is probably even pretty debatable. Uh, the two, the two. They both are big. Why, why are Massey and Waikato big on Megatronics? I don't know. Don't know. Is that how you attract people? We build robots. Perhaps. Maybe. But that's the vibe. But probably Auckland and Canterbury do them better because <laughs> um, they offer mechatronics as well. But um, but no, like the the universities that you go to for engineering, if you're if you're serious about engineering, is Auckland and and Canterbury. Um, so why not Canterbury? Um, why well, I applied at both, and um, I'd done something a little bit dumb from point of view of points and NCEA so because I'd never done chemistry and I think Canterbury needed you to do chemistry I did a level 2 paper when I was in my final year of high school yeah and so that didn't count towards points yeah um NCEA and so like I was I think 2 points short of of um, like guaranteed entry to Auckland uh, so you had to go on a waiting list and maybe make it in mm. um, so that wasn't ideal and then uh, Canterbury I think needed level 3 chemistry and I did not have that so mm. that just didn't make it an option um, but it was handy being in Auckland anyway just because parents were like an hour and a half down the road yeah in Hamilton um and Auckland is a very strong engineering university so yeah um so anyway um turns out I think dad still had a contact at Auckland Uni because he studied there as well electrical engineering um and so we we sussed out a meeting with him and um managed to like get to the top of the waiting list essentially um so that was good made it in and um 
and how to judge IH. I don't even think, and it's probably just <clears throat> being in the other end of the country, I don't even think IH was ever given to me as an option. It was basically choose Grafton or, or um, Baruch. And right. um, as I spoke about uh, on an earlier podcast, I got to go to both of them. So, yeah. <laughs> if there was troubles with. <laughs> um, I don't think I got to choose. Yeah. It was chosen for me. I think I, my my first choice was a rock. It was kind of like Santa Barbara. Um, yeah. yeah, it wasn't my first choice, but it turned out to be a pretty great place to be. Mm. Yeah. Don't regret it at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how did you, you know, you you're living here. You're, you're seeing seeing the the Tasman Sea change every single freaking day. Mm. Um, how do you then go? Yeah, I want to go sail on a boat out there. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> no, I I remember actually. You went you went to sail Croatia, the yacht week. Yeah. So then, how do you end up then going? I want to sail on that mad ocean out there. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> yacht week in the the southern ocean and the Desmond Sea are yeah. quite the same things, are they, Matt? <laughs> yeah. Nah, they're not. Um, <laughs> definitely not. Um, so yeah, did did like a month in Europe, and and the uh, the headline event was the Yacht Week, which I was stoked to go on with. Um, and went on. Uh, so you, you have a cabin mate, um, and Anna Cullum, one of our um, rowing mates, was um, was my cabin mate over there. And uh, so you're on these like fifty foot yachts, and there's twenty to thirty other yachts that are all just like going in a bigger martyr to like different islands and different parties and stuff it was like pretty incredible how they did it um like the first night blows your mind like when dallas did, when did you pop the champagne that was on the last day i think yeah um the champagne shower <laughs> um but like if you imagine how blown away i was with like the dallas treatment yeah this thing was like that um like you imagine instagram's like everyone's highlight reel right yeah every day on the yacht week is a highlight reel in real life it's not like it's not imaginary on on scrolling through instagram it's like real life well like like ridiculous Logan dodds's first video the majority of that is yacht week backflipping backflipping off rocks and Mm. and boats and yeah the vibe of the place yeah so anyway um <laughs> so i did that and like was good good friends with the skipper after spending a week on board with him and and um him like showing us the ropes and stuff literally yeah and um i was kind of like how the fuck does someone get paid to do this yeah um and so um Honestly, it was like a little bit of a rough patch in my career. Like it was, uh, what was that point? I think. You said three years for you. I think it was between being a graduate and getting the job as a drilling engineer. Right. And, um, I think the offer I got was just like way less than I thought it was going to be 
expectations and realities expectation yeah and i i personally struggle from that chronically <laughs> um, not just not just in job office yeah just having high expectations and um <laughs> you've been you've been in the uh in the uh, executive suite at dallas stadium so oh yeah i know like i have nothing to complain about at all like <laughs> no, but that that's like said your expectations of how life can go <laughs> <laughs> nah, it was before, it's a long way down it's it a long that. way down from from, yeah. from at&t it yeah. was it was definitely before that that, that i that i'd been doing that but um <laughs> but like i have nothing to complain about at all like if if anyone else like soar into the life of Matt Hickford then that'd be like fuck this guy is doing good like shit up cut <laughs> and um but yeah I I, th- I think I'm hugely self-critical and yeah. um and set really high expectations of myself and when I fail to achieve them then um yeah I just get a bit of like a a low it just just sucks Um, (laughs) and it was still like a very decent like you can't really complain about it I just had way huger expectations because it was oil and gas and like things were like booming at that time like pre-covid pre-oil and gas crash like pre-restrictions in New Zealand things were going good and I was just like fuck that doesn't really what and so like the holiday was something that you'd done before the offer or yeah yeah so i received it uh i think the last week i was there and the last week i was there i just like booked a week at um a hotel like no more hostels um i wanted to just chill on uh, santorini with um just sit on the beach drinking beer like every day just chilling out no no partying or anything like that um and stupidly i checked my email (laughs) um and it like put a real downer on the on the end of my holiday it was it was pretty shit actually and so like because this was after the yacht week yeah and i had some time up my sleeve because I still had a few days in Santorini. Um, not a uh, bad place to have a shit time. <laughs> nah, no, nah, not at all. I, I still had a great time in Santorini. It was a beautiful place. Um, I'd definitely go back there. Um, so, because I had a bit of time on my hands, I was like, okay, well, how the fuck do you become a skipper on one of these yachts then? Yeah. And um, so you need your yacht master off, offshore and um, a, a few other tickets as well. Um, and then you can go through the Yacht Academy um, and become a, a skipper on one of these, um, oh, what do you call it, flotillas. So is there just one dude on there? Plus all the people on Yacht Week or is the other staff as well? So the, so each yacht has a skipper. So yeah. So 50 foot yachts have like 10 berths. So 10, 10 people. Um, and you can choose to have a hostess or not. Um, we, we had a hostess and a skipper, so, um, there's them. And then, um, 
they have like uh, like a support boat that follows which has like mm-hmm. uh, a few like admin people and customer um, satisfaction or yeah I don't know um, and is it, is it run, and run by one company or yep. Yep. Oh, wow Oh, and there's several companies that do oh, it. Right, yes, yeah. But yeah. this one was the Yacht Week. That's the, the company's name, the yeah. Yacht Week. And there's Sail Croatia. Yeah. And there's Med Sailors, and um, there's probably some others as well. But those those are the main ones I can think of. Yeah. Um, and then there's like the. I'm sure there's a lot of people in the background that are like setting up the parties because the parties are what blow your mind. Mm-hmm. Like in a in a fort like out of um was it Dubrovnik or nah we didn't go to Dubrovnik we were out of split but similar to what you're thinking on uh what's the fucking Game of Thrones or something yeah I've yeah. seen the split fort as well yeah yeah um just incredible so that was that was what kind of it, it was just like being on the drilling rig like <laughs> <laughs> Getting off a spark, like I want to do that. Okay, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, after that, I started pursuing getting the yacht master certificate. So I'm still working through it. Um, because yeah. obviously, like I have a job and uh, and studying a master's in petroleum engineering and, and is all that not done yet? All that. Now I've got one more project to go. <laughs> be done by April. Right. Yeah. Um. So that'll be good. Just in time for me to become a skipper. <laughs> and and for Jacinda to just completely abolish oil and gas in New Zealand. Yeah. Good so it'll be a good transition. Um maybe that's the just transition she keeps talking about. Maybe we all become skippers. It's like learning to code. Yeah. You've heard about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, just just change it, just transition. Um, so yeah. Uh, so to get your yacht master ticket, you have to do um, a theory course. So learning all about like your your um, voyage and uh, tides and winds and um, calculating how long it's going to take you to get there and what course you need to steer, with the wind direction and tide direction and, and all that and um, your um, rules of the road at sea. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you got to pass that. And then you've got to do a practical as well. And the practical uh, consists of just basically days and miles on the water. Which then leads us into the, um, the Southern Ocean Dash that I signed up for. So honestly, it's a pretty mental thing that I did, I think. Um, I don't in, regret it at all. And I was going to say, in hindsight? Or I'd do it again. At the, at the- no, at the time. At the time. At the time. But to be honest, like I Didn't you didn't you message your parents like nice knowing you? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, it's like um everything goes to Chanel if if I die. Uh yeah. Basically. <laughs> what, what made you think like that? Well, so the trip was between Hobart and New Zealand. Um, supposed to be bluff, eh? But yeah, yeah. So we were supposed to go on at bluff, but um, due to like uh, the customs, if you arrive from overseas, then you can't. You can only um, come into port in certain spots. Hmm. 
So I think like Christchurch was one, and then there was uh, Nelson, and I think the next one's um, Auckland and Bay of Islands. Tūnani to Taranaki. You could have just got off and come home. Uh, no, Taranaki's not a good place to to, to yacht. There's, um, it's not really set up for it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so anyway, it wasn't just like sailing across the Tasman Sea. We were going deep. Like, the, the guy um, who runs, it's called the Ocean Sailing Club. And um, it's this... Uh, I think it's a non-profit organization. It's it's basically just this guy called Peter Eddington, and um, he runs like a sailing school out of Sydney. Great guy, um, and he, he organizes trips um, often between like Aussie and the islands, and Aussie and New Zealand, and and um, he's got this ends of the earth challenge that he's uh, got planned. For, well, he had it planned for this year I think but obviously like COVID completely mm. cocked that one up um, but anyway he still wants to do it and uh, in order to make sure that his boat was like up to the task of going around the world um, vertically like most people would go around mm. that way um, he wanted to do like a, uh, a bit of a shakedown or a Proof of concept of being in heavy weather. Like, uh, the ends of the Earth Challenge goes around Cape Horn, and um, that's like one of the most treacherous mm. bodies of water. Uh, most people probably have heard of it. Um, so we were going to 50 degrees south. So that's pretty much um, well, it's further than halfway from the equator to uh, Antarctica. Um, probably not quite halfway between New Zealand and Antarctica though but it's still pretty deep yeah I think Invercargill's getting close to 46 yeah yeah yep so yeah we're pretty deep so um and as you say like the Tasman Sea is pretty rough as it is and we're going deep like they call it the Roaring Forties Mm. It's called the Furious Fifties. <laughs> um, so yeah, and like, you're out of helicopter range when you're that far away from yeah, um, a body of land. Um, and so your only refuge is pretty much if there's a fishing boat or the navy, basically, and it'll take them days to get to you, probably. Yeah. So like, if anything happened, like. I was like, I could, I could die. I could not come back from this. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely something that I thought about. Um, but talking like, um, it wasn't something that you just like willy nilly like signed up for and, and then, uh, you turn up and, and go for it. Like Peter gives you a call and, and you, you like question each other. And so like I was, um, like asking questions like well, what what kinds of uh, weather are you expecting down there because like, um, <laughs> well, it's not going to be a walk in the park like I live in New Plymouth and that's uh, like 39 degrees and that's pretty hectic at times and uh, so and like I'd, I was watching um, 
there was like the Sydney to Hobart race of uh, some year. I can't remember what it was, but I think several boats capsized. And uh, I don't know if, I can't remember if people died. I think there were a few fatalities actually. Um, so I was like mentally preparing myself for conditions like that. And, and then like just YouTubing um, Southern Ocean uh, yachting and stuff. And like, you see, it's big swells. Um, we were pretty lucky though, actually. Like we had some massive seas but nothing like actually what I was prepared for mm. um, which is it's good was your whole crew trainees or um, all various levels like some of them had their own yachts some of them had um, done like the Sydney to Hobart and, oh, wow. and stuff like that and, and Peter's done as crewmen or yep um, crew woman, crew people. Yeah, and and Peter the the skipper was pretty, pretty. He's a salty sea dog, basically. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he was he was sweet. Yeah. How salty do you get? How many days away were you? Oh, I think it was uh, nineteen days in the end, actually. Um, and that was mainly just because. Um. So as you say, we were gonna just come into bluff. And that would have probably been 12 days. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd taken three weeks leave and no one else really had anywhere to go. And he was going from New Zealand back to Sydney. So it made... We were kind of just like, well, we've got time. Why don't we just like go up the east coast of the South Island and, and go to um, Nelson? So you went up the east coast? Yeah. But didn't pull into Christchurch? Nah. Really? Yeah. Um, it was pretty... It was painful coming up the east coast of the South Island, though. Like, the, there was fuck all wind. Um, like, there was a couple of days that we were just pretty much sitting still. Yeah. Which is pretty boring. And, and in the ocean, do you anchor or nah? Well, nah, you can't, you can't anchor. Like, you're hundreds of metres of water. You just hundreds to thousands of meters. And what you you drop sails or no? You just keep trying. No, no. Well, we like um, so you sail throughout the night. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were running like a um, I think it was two hour shifts. So you had like a rotation. So two people were on deck at all times, and then every two hours. Might have been every hour. I can't remember if it was every two hours or one hour, but um, one of them would go in and you'd replace it, and then the other one would go back down. And you'd sleep, and like during the day, most people were like awake, but if you had if you had a late night shift, then you'd probably try and get a bit of sleep during the day. Mm. Um, yeah. So is everyone just kind of a constant daze for the whole 12 yeah, days? Yeah, it, it does definitely drain you. Um, but it was all good. Um, the, the crew was pretty amazing, actually. Like, all different uh, ideas and levels of sailing. Um, and 
there were no uh, no one walked the plank or anything like that. Um, <laughs> it was pretty civilized, so I, th- I think we all got along pretty well, and um, it was a pretty amazing experience. Like, not many people have been fifty degrees south. No, you should know. Um, and not many people have swum at fifty degrees south. Jumped off the yacht, of course, at yeah. fifty degrees. Nice. You'd have to. So how'd you, how'd you set that up? Oh, well, we like, so we parked up. You can heave too, so you don't drop sails, but um, you like, uh, one sail stays one way and the front sail stays the other way pretty much and, mm-hmm. and you pretty much just don't move. Um, so we we did that and had like a, a celebratory dinner on the deck. It was, it was honestly like pretty flat mm. when we got to 50 degrees south. Um, so yeah, we had a nice dinner and a wine and, um, <laughs> I think it was, uh, some, uh, what's the, I think it was rum. <laughs> like, plenty of Dutch courage. Like pirates. <laughs> uh, I think I might've gone for a swim before all that though. Um, but yeah, we stopped and, and, uh, just commemorated. And it was chilly and it was cold yeah I, I had like <coughs> so I bought um, expensive top of the line um, like stuff that you see the Volvo Ocean Race mm. guys wearing um, wet weathers so you have them and then underneath that had like polar fleece um, would you get a hump tick yeah yeah you were there you were there stag stag was there for like the last time anyone might have seen me um <laughs> Yeah, and, and then uh, some merino under that, and uh, so that was probably about it actually. But yeah, pretty cold, like as cold as being up on a mountain skiing. So what you were in the water in your kit? No, 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 no. So when I jumped off, it was just in undies. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was pretty cold though. Ooh. Straight back on the bike, get the gear on, and, yeah. and so um, how were you navigating? How, uh, so just GPS mainly, yeah. um, but we were running a log the whole time, which is um, what any sensible skipper runs. Mm-hmm. So just like keeping track of your coordinates on on the GPS, um, but because you're keeping a log, you know which direction you're going, you know what the the wind's doing because you're you're recording all that. Mm. So if your GPS does die, then then you can work out we probably are mm. and is there any comms going on yeah comms were pretty intermittent um every day we would report into uh i think it was um Taupo radio uh in the middle of our country i think that's that's where like the search and rescue headquarters is or something um so we tried radioing through to them i don't think particularly successfully most of the time so we um we ended up i think getting i think it was brisbane mm-hmm. to relay it back to taupo because peter had like contacted radio taupo and and told them these are our plans this is where we're going to be heading like we're going to call you every day and, mm-hmm. and give you an update and stuff um so they were they were expecting us to to get to them um and then we had uh, like a little 
um, mobile internet thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so every day, Peter would send an email back to Sally, his wife, and then Sally would send messages back to family of, of um, all, all us. Mm, that's cool. Mm. What'd you eat? All sorts. Um, Peter mainly cooked. He was pretty good, actually. Um, started out with uh, some meaty meals, but because um, we weren't running a fridge the whole time, because it takes power, and to have power you need to run an engine or, um, or battery, but you don't want to run your battery flat. Mm. Um, we did have... Um, solar panels and um, windmills. No, it wasn't. Win- it was like a windmill in the water. Right. So it was turbine. Yeah, it was a turbine um, that just generated power from dragging behind you. Um, so we did have that. So during the day, if we were sailing along well enough, like you could charge your camera or phone or whatever. Um, and do all that. Nice. Was it the same camera you took to base camp or? Yep. Yeah. Same thing, yeah. Still work good. And so, you know, this is going deep as you can. How's looking at as high as you can? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I went to, um, this was back when I was still a graduate actually. I think it might have been like my, must have been my second year, but went to Everest base camp just to, the trek like it's not it sounds cool it sounds extreme but it's it's just a walk basically yeah high altitude like that's the hardest part about it um and walking every day but um there's nothing technical about it what's what's uh distance well i think it was like 12 days of walking every day for six hours a day so however far that is but um, I think you start at about trying to think what elevation Lukla airport is it's uh, I'd I'd be guessing to be honest I feel like it might be 2500 metres or something and then Everest base camp's about 5250 or something 5250 Everest base camp. Oh, camps. That's nice. <laughs> um, South base camp is in Nepal at an altitude of 5,364 metres. Yeah. 17,000 feet. Or 500 feet. Mm-hmm. Or the North base camp in Tibet. That's not where you were, was it? No, sir. That one's at uh, 5,150 metres. And what was the airport you went from? Lukla, L-U-K-L-A, Lukla, yep. You went to 17,000, look, uh, airport. Uh, Tenzing Hillary Airport. Mm. Holla. <laughs> uh, it's at 9,000 feet. So I divide that by three, yeah, about 3,000 metres-ish. Two, yeah, two, 2,845 metres. Oh, sweet. Reasonable. Yeah, well, it wasn't, wasn't far off. So, um, where was the motivation to do that? 
Oh no, we lost it. Some green light storm. Yeah. I might run out of battery though, eh? No, there's lights up there. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> What'd you do that for? <laughs> um, I'm 47% of the task. <laughs> no worries. Um, there's green lights everywhere. Green lights, we're just Matthew uh, McConaughey yeah, and Joe Rogan. Um, why I want to do that? Um, I think I'd always been like a pretty big fan of Everest, and I, um, actually, like Browning's dad had climbed to the top of Mount Everest, uh, and I, I watched his video that he had of it all. Um, and was pretty blown away like i was just like wow this guy's fucking this guy's the man yeah um but yeah i think a couple of other people that i knew had done every space camp and oh actually no it came up on grab one to be honest <laughs> um <laughs> this this um package deal for Everest base camp trick it was like a thousand bucks or something <sighs> Yeah. And it included your um, your guide. Uh, you you paid your guide a tip and, and all that, but it included your guide Sherpas. Um, well, not Sherp. They're not called Sherpas because they're um, uh, they're called porters at that altitude. Um, uh, what they carry your bags? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just carry the day pack. Yeah. Those guys are bloody amazing. Eh? They carry like three people's packs. Per person, those machines. Um, so yeah, you got this package for a thousand bucks, and it included like all breakfasts and your accommodation and the tea houses and and all that. So I was like, sweet, done, do it, book flights, go yeah. over. Did a bunch of other tricks over there as well. Um, so yeah, like I'd been keen about Everest. Had heard other people had done it, saw the scrab one thing, and just pulled the trigger and did it. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Shit, you man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, um, I've been sort of hashtagging this thing at the moment, Circle of Savages. <laughs> that's that's my sort of thing of late of like advice for anyone of like, what 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 would you tell people and surround yourself with the Circle of Savages and like. Our rancho that was that was we were a bunch of maniacs yeah and then um since then i've sort of tried to do that in terms of surround myself with people that um i'm accountable to and i also try and hold them accountable by doing doing shit that mm. that might inspire them um you've just like a couple of things reeled off you know, and that's why you're you're awesome, awesome mate to have. Like, mm. how what what do you sort of what keeps you doing these things? Is it is it personal? Is it seeing other people do stuff? Is it a combination? Um, you know, you, you've been as you said before, you've been given great opportunity in life. You know, live up to what's what's in front of you. We we sort mm. of guide you along, man. Because like I say, you see a thousand dollar Everest base camp and jump at it. <laughs> yeah yeah well like lots of people could come up with 101 excuses why not to do that yeah for sure <laughs> um i think i 
I love to learn. Um, so like, do, even even if I don't become like a yacht week skipper, yeah. Um, l- learning about how sailing works and and how to sail a boat and and going into ridiculous um, southern ocean conditions and stuff. Um, I just love the learning opportunity and it's the same with like um, even work like I, I reckon work sucks dick if, if you're not actually like learning things yeah and it's just the monotonous grind I I reckon that's just really boring and um, yeah getting challenged mm. challenged learning things um and like some of the stuff, like the, the Southern Ocean dash, I was just like, well, the thought of being able to say that I'd done it yeah, as well, kind of like was a bit of an attraction because I was like, I could, <laughs> like dying is completely on the cards. <laughs> yeah, thankfully my 101k ultra... Dying's probably not on the cards, but nah. as I'm in the heat of the big miles, I'm definitely hanging on to the fact that shit, not everyone can say they've done a hundred k. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I still might not get there. That's it's it's that's the given, but <laughs> probably not dying. If nothing else, you will be in the hurt box. <laughs> yeah, yes. climbing Mount Herbert's gonna be fun, but anyway, yeah, yeah. it's alright. But yeah, like it's um. <laughs> What's your thing? Six, three, six, nine. Three, six, nine. <laughs> it's for like YOLO, isn't it? Yeah. You only live once. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but like I I bought a, a cheap um dirt bike, like a motocross bike from my uncle. Yeah. Because um, my brother-in-law's real into it, and um, he's keen to teach me, and my and my uncle that I bought the bike off is keen to like teach me as well. Um, but that is like a a huge challenge for me like um those guys have been riding since they've been like teenagers yeah. and uh like the one with the bike um and i jump on a bike and fucking oh, ca- career off a, off a six meter bank and rip my knee and, and shit like that but um just like learning learning that stuff and learning how to t- do bike maintenance as well like i've I found that like really satisfying even just learning how to change the oil on my bike like yeah. I'm a mechanical engineer but like not not a practical mechanical engineer just I, I try to be as practical as I can and I, I love the practical side of it like there's nothing better than being out on the rig and seeing the operation happen and and just like asking like what's this and why'd you do that and how can because at the end of the day like my job is to write the instructions for these guys um, and just optimizing that and yeah I know like my young brother as a surveyor thoroughly appreciates survey technicians is that the same on, on a rig like you're the engineer but mechanical technicians are just so handy like like you say why are you doing that what's that component mm. you know what's going into this yeah well, like they do this every day of the week um and so they they know it inside out, and um, yeah, you can never underestimate 
field guys mm. at all. Um, and I think that's why a lot of engineers get a bad rap, to be honest. Like, <laughs> um, a lot of field guys see an engineer come to site and they're like, oh, here we fucking go. Yeah. Um, but if you can... Um, we did get that. We actually think that in optometry as well. Oh, here we go. Engineer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, turning up to like a doctor or a physio or an optometry, like I, I want the commentary. Like, yeah. <laughs> talk me through what you're doing. Like, help me understand it. Like, I like, I'm not going to be an optometrist by the time you, you end up telling me, but I think I can like conceptualize some of the things that you're trying to tell me and, and like learning um, biomechanics and stuff like that and, yeah, yeah. and all that um, like engineers just want to know how things work yeah um, no I think thankfully with a, with a brother and a <laughs> old man there was a physics teacher come yeah. specialist engineer for a bit uh, oh yeah get your vibe yeah <laughs> but um, yeah I think if you can be inquisitive and not be a know-it-all out on site um, you can get a bit of respect from the guys and like if you can teach them or if they they'll teach you something for sure mm. and you can probably teach them something as well like they probably wonder why the hell you wrote the instruction the way you did yeah and you can be like well this is actually what we're trying to achieve by doing this and they'll be like oh yeah it makes sense or, or maybe it doesn't <laughs> maybe you can change it but um but yeah, definitely appreciate time on site and just treat treat everyone as you would want to be treated. That was another thing that came up in the McConaughey podcast oh, yeah. today. Treat people how you want to be treated, and that's pretty much just how you how everyone should operate. I reckon. Yeah, man. So, um, is your is your social public? Mm? <laughs> is your social networks public, man? Uh, I don't think it is anymore, no. No? No. Well, I can try find it. Yeah, Insta might. Instagram? It's, it's pretty, pretty easy. It's Matt underscore Hickford. Yeah, nice. And so, you just kind of went into it then. Like, we uh, watched, we've been watching a few podcasts over, over this weekend. Mm. But, um, what's the thing that when things are going well, shows up for you? in your life and like that was what was quite cool like, again Matthew McConaughey talking about how he writes down when things are going well so mm. if he's having a shit time he can go back and go oh he talks about himself in the third person name McConaughey what are you mm. doing <laughs> <laughs> um, so it can be like a quote way you live your life um, just yeah something that keeps you flowing and, and going along I don't know, I probably need to take a journal like uh, McConaughey <laughs> so I can figure it out. But um, but I know the feeling when you are just running green lights. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it definitely beats um, coming up against traffic and red lights for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Um, grew up with the quote, if it is to be, it's up to me. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it was something that was just drilled in from mum, pretty much. From Trace. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. No, that's um, that's 
again, like the podcast is about giving people proof, giving people permission, and you know, ordinary people doing great things. Should if you wanted us to do a good podcast, this two podcasts with Nathan McConaughey, Tim Ferriss, and Joe Rogan, like that's what he said, eh? Like maybe you can read his book or listen to me. And that Matthew McConaughey is just a normal dude doing awesome things. Yeah. Like, why can't it be you? Like, it's such a powerful thing, and that's why I think sitting down with people, having a conversation, talking about it, seeing that they are deep down a regular person, like you were saying, you know, you've done some cool shit, but at the same time, you have all these expectations, and like, man, yeah. we'll go through, we'll go through, go through our stuff. <laughs> you know how um, you're more likely to give. Uh, or people in general are more likely to give a negative review than a positive one. Right, yeah. I, I think probably like people are like that in their own lives a bit. Mm. You you remember that you had shit times probably more than you should give them credit for Yeah. than the good times. Um, like talk... This hour or however, however long we've been chatting for probably is about an hour um, doing awesome <laughs> yeah um talking about all the, the cool shit that I've done and I'm like yeah like it's pretty sweet it's been pretty fun um but yeah you just uh, sometimes you get in a rut and shit doesn't quite happen how you expect it but um yeah, I think you just got to get back on the horse and um, keep chugging along like uh, Luke Bryan tells you. <laughs> uh, no, awesome. That's mean. Yeah, like I think things do work out. I think if you, if you, that's probably the mantra that I operate on. I think things will be alright. Yeah. Like it'll it'll be alright. No matter how it's going, it'll be alright. Awesome. Mean. So we have talked for, what does it say? Hour 36. Oh, I can't read that shit, mate. I need LASIK. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> That's from an optometrist. Let's <laughs> <laughs> press stop. That's mean. <laughs> It'll all be alright. Tell you what, I get a lot of that on my bloody long runs at the moment. It's going to be alright. I think I've brought this up a few times, but sometimes I often think of The Hangover in Chang. But did you die? <laughs> no, you learnt a shitload. It's definitely the value in doing hard shit is that you remind yourself that it will be alright. You can get through this, you have the tools, you have the resilience to get through this and uh, create something awesome. So, yeah, that was a, that was a really cool um, realisation there from, from Matt, you know, and that's what that final question tries to provoke is, is a deeper look into what it is that sort of got you to where you are today and hopefully reinforces the incredible things that you're capable of and that you've done meaning that you can carry on to uh, reach those aspirations, reach those expectations that you might have of yourself and they don't become dreams and 
things that uh, you look back on and, and wish you'd done. So, yeah, loved talking in a podcast format with Matt. Obviously, we hung out all weekend. Um, me, myself, me, myself, me, Billy, and Matt. Um, it was bloody good times. Cooked a few marshmallows on the fire as well. That was that was outstanding. And um, you know, Matt and I put away a little bit of vino as well. It does. It's a <laughs> Always loosens loosens the lips up, get gets things philosophical. On the contrary, if you're into ketosis, you can check out Waiketo, W A I K E T Zero dot now dot com to get your hands on exogenous ketones or the sixty hour reboot. Go to the website, uh, chuck in your details and order that to your door. Fantastic product, the uh, exogenous ketones from Prove It. Get that again at w a i k e t zero dot p r u v i t e n o w dot com waikito dot proveitnow dot com with a zero for the waikito. Thanks for listening. As always, if you've got time, give us a rating. A little bit extra time, give us a review. That'll help more ears listen to this. Reach out on the socials; they're found in the show notes. Um, and yeah, don't be shy and uh, coming forward. Cheers, we'll be back next time on the Stagger Roll.